Would you turn with me to Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, it's in your Old Testament and you could find that right after the book of Judges, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, four chapters and then it goes right into 1 Samuel. I don't know if you like Christmas movies. But if I asked you what is your favorite Christmas movie, we could probably take a lot of selections here this morning. I'll just tell you my favorite. It is, it is A Wonderful Life. It is the best movie of Christmas movie. And so everyone agrees with me. If they don't, they're wrong. <laughs> I have my favorite Christmas book of the Bible, and it probably is the book of Ruth. You say, Pastor, it isn't about Christmas specifically. No, it isn't. But I find so many connecting points. And over, since I've been a pastor for the last 23 years, this is my fourth time being in the book of Ruth. Does anybody remember when I was in Ruth in 2015? Okay, there's a few hands out there. I figured that I was safe to preach it again because you don't remember what I preached last month much less eight years ago. I got Some of you actually do. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in the dark street, Street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes, the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. We come to the story about little town of Bethlehem, and Ruth chapter 2 brings us to this point. And I welcome you again to this beautiful story, Ruth. Four chapters of a story in the time of the judges. It's what it says in verse 1 of chapter 1. This is the time in which God's people, who had been brought out of slavery into a glorious promised land, they did that which was right in their own eyes and continually went after the other gods of the nations. It's a story that brings us to a family, a family from Bethlehem, from the tribe of Judah. And chapter 1 begins with great darkness, pain, sadness, devastation. Naomi, she and her husband leave the land of Bethlehem in Judah to go to the green lands of Moab because there was a famine in the land. Their sons go with them, Malon and Chilion. And they intermarry with godless people of the Moabites. These were people, God said, stay away from them and do not allow them into the assembly of God because of their rebellion, their idolatry, and because of the way they failed to welcome the people of Israel as they came into the promised land. And in Moab, it gets worse. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. Then her two sons, who had married Moabite women, 
they die. She, Naomi, is miserable and despairing. She says this about the Lord. God has dealt bitterly with me. Don't use my name, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means I am bitter. I am, God has dealt bitterly against me. I left full and now I am empty. See how God has shown calamity to me. And at the end of this time, she's empty, except as she goes back, she tells her daughter-in-laws, go, go home. Orpah, Ruth, go home. Go back with your families. And against Naomi's wishes, at least one of her daughter-in-law's, Ruth, says, no, I'm coming with you. They come back to Bethlehem, and it's the beginning of barley harvest. This is May, April, May time of year. Naomi, a woman who is part of God's covenant community, feels like the sovereign God, and she believes God's in charge, but God isn't good to her. He's rejected her. He must not be for her. You have on the back of your bulletin that you should have got when you came in, one of the most beautiful poems. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea. The sea is a picture of difficulties. It's where the waves and trials come. And he rides upon the storm. All that Naomi can see is her emptiness. She says and declares, I went away full, but now I'm empty. Yet she should have seen that's not really how it's working. The land was empty. It was in famine. But God visited his people, it says. And she comes back and she's not so empty as she actually thinks. And in this hymn, God moves in a mysterious way, you see the third verse, ye fearful saints. And this chapter 2 starts us to say this to us. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and will break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord, Naomi, judge not the Lord, faith church, by your feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind the frowning providence, Naomi, of all of this loss, behind the frowning providence, God hides a smiling face. Would you join me by reading? I'm going to read chapter two. Would you follow along? I'm going to read chapter 2 of Ruth, and then I want to make some observations about what we see God doing, really for Naomi, but in Ruth. I want you to see what God did for Ruth, and in Ruth, and what God did through Ruth. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi 
had. I mean, she thought she, I thought she was so empty, but Naomi had something. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, uh, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the fields after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Elimelech being her father-in-law. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back from Na- with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? When you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she, that's Ruth, fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to her, said to him, to Boaz, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I hope we stare at these words, we ponder these words, we meditate and take in these beautiful words of what God was doing in Ruth, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Verse 13. So then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some of the bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate till she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, 
Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also put out some from among the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I have worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to me, my young men, until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this, his young women, lest in any field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman, of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Father, I pray that you would help us right now, and you would help me these few minutes to see your grace, to see your provision, to see your son granting it me and your people the help that we need this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This chapter begins with, now, Naomi had. She had. I thought she was empty. She had a relative named Boaz. Close relative. Not the closest, but a close one. She also had a daughter-in-law. She also had a God who visited Bethlehem with a, a barley harvest. I heard recently Sinclair Ferguson, an old sermon by him. He says, and he helped me look at this chapter through this lenses. And so I want to use that, these lenses to look at this chapter. I want you to see what God does for Ruth. And I want you to see what God does in Ruth. And I want you to see what God does through Ruth. God needs to work for us if we're going to have anything. And God needs to work in us if we're going to be anything. And he has to work through us if we're going to be a fruitful, life-giving person to others. I'm going to call this, to, to use a play on words, gleanings from the fields of Ruth too, okay? Bear with me. Gleanings through the fields of Ruth too. And so each one of these things, I want you to say, I want you to say, I want you to behold something. I want you to behold what God did for Ruth. 
I want you to behold what God did in Ruth, and I want you to behold what God did through Ruth. When I say behold, I pray that in this sermon now, as I explain these verses a little bit, and seek to apply them to your life, and I pray that you will maybe write just enough, either in your phone or on a notepad, to behold more in your mind, to pay attention, to fix your mind on, your heart upon. You would think upon, and don't let it go. You would apply it to your life. You would meditate on these things so that you would be benefited. Okay, number one, behold what the Lord did for Ruth. Do you see what God's doing for Ruth in this chapter? God is at work in all our lives in ways that we often don't see. Naomi didn't see that God was at work. God surely was at work in Naomi, and he's at work in Naomi through this woman, his, her daughter-in-law, who she said, go back to your family, but Ruth clung to her. God's at work. First of all, I see that God's law was at work for Ruth. Do you, do you see right away, she says, okay, there's harvest. I need to go glean in the fields after the harvesters. You see, this wasn't just a, hey, maybe I will get lucky or somebody will be kind and nice out there. This was God's law to God's people. As she goes out, God had instructed for farmers, farmers beware, God instructed farmers to so harvest their fields to leave leftovers and enough leftovers so the foreigners and the poor and the needy would come and they would glean. It was called the law of gleaning. Listen to Leviticus 19. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edges Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Like, you're not supposed to go through twice. You shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. What is God doing? He's saying, through this law, I'm going to provide for you, and I want to provide through you, and I want to take care of of the sojourner, those that are foreigners that are in need and don't have a home, and for the, deep, the poor and homeless. Deuteronomy 24, 19, when you reap your harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, don't go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow. You see, God governs his world, and he has given us his law and laws and revelation of himself in order to do us good. The whole law is summed up with this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Ruth, who has fled and gone to this foreign land, comes, and right away God is doing something for her through his law and saying, I am going to show you my goodness. Now go glean how I have in a field that I have cared for to this man, Boaz, and you're going to receive provision. We see the grace of God working in Naomi and Ruth's life through God's law. That is one way in which God worked for her, and God works through us by giving his law, his word, his commandments. They are so good for us. God's hand was also guiding. That's 
You want to see what God's doing for Ruth? God's hand was guiding Ruth. One of my favorite verses, it's not my favorite, it's my second favorite verse in this chapter is verse 3. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, so she set out, that's Ruth, she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. The English translation translates it, and she happened to come to the part. The Hebrew, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but from what I hear, it could have been translated, chance it, it happened to chance upon, or using a common English idiom, as luck would have it, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And we all sit here as Bible believers that don't believe ultimately in luck, but that God is in control of everything. We go, it's not luck. She didn't just happen to it. He's using irony. He wants us to stop and go, we all know that it just didn't happen to be that way. There was a hand behind it. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his or her way to go into fields, but the Lord establishes his steps. How many times have you seen God working for you and you were going down a path and you go, I just chose this decision today and we use a phrase in our culture, it was a God thing or God was just in this. God was at work in here. Look at what God has done. Oh, how good he was and so we see God working for guiding and directing. I, I love what one commentator writes on this passage. The lessons for all readers of Ruth is that God is working behind the scenes to accomplish his purpose. Oh, I hope you'd believe that. Nothing occurs in our lives by randomness or chance. Seemingly small and insignificant decisions serve his purposes in our lives. We think nothing of day-to-day encounters and so-called accidents of history, but God uses ordinary events to advance his purpose. God is working for Ruth. And so God brings his law and says, I have a law of of gleaning so you can go glean in the fields and take from the leftovers to provide for your well-being and provision. And I'm just going to happen to bring you to a pretty significant, friendly person who's going to be more than just a friendly helper. It's going to, as we get into chapters three and four, it's going to change your life. The, the third category of how, what God did for Ruth was God guided Ruth to Boaz. Or should I say it this way, God go. God guided Boaz to Ruth. It says here that he happened to come when Ruth was there. I mean, he probably didn't visit his fields all of the time. He was a wealthy man. He just so happens to show up when she's there. It was God was in that. And he had heard about Ruth. There was talk in the town. And he's a godly man. This is a good man. If you guys are having a boy, good Good boy name, Boaz. Good girl name, Ruth. 
He's a godly man. He's a man of faith. I, I love this. This morning I, I, I was pondering verse four where he came, came into the fields and he sees his workers and he says, the Lord be with you. And they respond, the Lord bless you. I, I sent out a, a, a text to some of my friends this morning and I just said, the Lord be with you and dot, 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 Ruth, four, or Ruth two verse four A. And I received many responses, thank you, and blessings to you too. And, and one person got it and responded with the exact words, thank you, Jim Thompson, the Lord bless you. He, he's a worthy man, it says, he's described. Bo, Boaz, Boaz prays for Ruth in a sense when he says, may the Lord do this. He invokes a blessing of prayer Upon her. May the Lord repay you. May the Lord give you full reward. And, and I want you to see God just, God just giving for Ruth through this man. He, he, he does what a godly man should do for those who are needy. And in this case, we're going to find out he's a, a future husband, but he provides and he protects. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Don't go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to, he doesn't have ulterior motives, keep close to my young women. They're going to protect you. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men? They are not to assault you. They are not to touch you. And when you're thirsty, this is above and beyond the law of reapers. He didn't have to do this. Go there's drinking vessels there with the men have drawn for water. That's yours. Consider it yours. He sees that she'll be protected by any men, any predators to young women. He anticipates her needs. He anticipates protection that needs to happen. He invites her to then eat with him and he provides drink for her. He goes above and beyond his duty. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said, would you come here and eat some bread and dip some morsel in wine? He sat, so she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some leftover. There's limited verses in these four chapters. So every phrase counts. He, he the storyteller wants us to know it was lavish and abundant and there was leftover. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed her, he instructed the men, hey, by the way, leave even more for her. Make sure there's even more leftover for her. And by the way, don't ever embarrass her. Don't reproach her. Don't treat her with any disrespect like you might even be tempted to as a foreigner. You treat her with absolute care and dignity. God's doing that for Ruth through a man named Boaz. So she, what does she do? She comes home with a whole ephah of, of barley. I don't know what that is, but it's probably something from Sam's Club. At least that size. It's that size. It's big. It's a lot. And she brings it home, and Naomi is astonished. Behold, look what God had done for her. Naomi is overwhelmed at the kindness of God through this man, and he prays, she praises God for this. Naomi says in verse 20, 
to her daughter-in-law, may the Lord, may he be blessed by the Lord, may this man, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. In her saying that, I think Naomi is saying, may God bless Boaz, whose kindness, but may she be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. And if you study and think on verse 20 a little bit, you go, whose kindness has blessed and not forsaken the living and the dead? Is it Boaz's kindness that hasn't forsaken the living and the dead? Or is it the Lord that hasn't? And the answer is yes, both of them. God, through Boaz, has not forsaken the living and the dead. We find here, God working all things for the good of a foreign Moabite woman who comes out of a foreign land into a land that she did not know, to a people she did not know, to a new God that she didn't really know, and God is working for her good. Brothers and sisters, the promises of God are to his people, and they are amazing. God promises to not leave us or forsake us, to provide for us, to work all things for good. I wonder if you have thought and reflected on what God has done for you and is doing for you today. Even though you may find yourself in a place where you feel this is a difficult season. Difficult is not even the word to describe it. It is a bad season. It is a season of empty I pray that as believers, we would open our eyes and see what God has done for us. He works through our lives. I have mentioned this book to you. It's the Red Sea Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Difficult Times. I love what Robert Morgan says. It reminded me of this section. Through most of the Bible, God helped his people in ordinary providential ways rather than overtly supernatural ways. God didn't just go, I'm going to give you a miracle and you'll look in your closet, you're going to look in your cupboard, Ruth, and all of a sudden you're going to have a supply of barley. No, he used ordinary ways, like generous men happening to come to a field, the law of gleaning. The same is true today. That's why mature Christians pay special attention to the accidents, the misfortunes, and the coincidences that befall them. For in reality, there are no such thing as accidents. Only the providential orderings of a God who watches over his prayerful, trusting children and whose unseen hand is guiding, guarding, arranging, and rearranging circumstances. Behold, what God has done and did for Ruth and what he has done for you. But I also want you to see what God did in Ruth. Behold what God did in Ruth. The story of Ruth is a story of God working in this foreign woman who did not grow up hearing the stories of Yahweh, most likely. In chapter one, it says, Ruth clung to Naomi And she says in verse 16 of chapter 1, where you go, mother-in-law, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God, the God of Israel. 
where you die, I will die. And where I, you, there I will be buried. May the Lord Yahweh do to me and more if anything but death departs me from you. What is she doing there? She is applying what God had promised. I wonder if they told, there was a time in Israel when God appeared to the people and Moses was in Egypt and he came to the slaves in Egypt and he said, God has come to deliver you. And he said, who is this God? He is the God who has declared that he is your God and he will make you his people and you will be his people and he will be your God. And I wonder if Ruth then remembered that and said, I want that to be him to be my God, the God that did all the plagues in Egypt and brought them out of slavery and brought them through the Red Sea and took care of them in the wilderness and then finally brought them into the promised land and brought them into a place where the nations were scared of them, this weak people of Israel, because they had a strong God. That's the God I'm going to follow. He will be my God. And so she said, Ruth, I'm going to come to you, and he'll be my God, and I will be his. I want him as my God. Ruth saw with spiritual eyes that the God of Israel was the true God, and she wholeheartedly threw her lot in with him. She burned all her bridges to going home. She went with Ruth and said, if I, I'm going to die, I'm going to die with you in a foreign land, with a new people. This is what God had done in her. And we turn to maybe, my favorite verses in all of this book is in verses 11 and 12, specifically verse 12. With you look with me at chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 sets it up, but Boaz answered her all that you have done when she says, how come you're treating me this way? I don't deserve it. I'm unworthy of you treating me this way. You're so generous and kind and protecting. And Boaz responds, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and your mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. Here it is. The Lord repay you for what you've done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Behold the explanation for the change in Ruth. God's work in her conversion. She had come to see that the God of Israel, the Lord that rewards, the Lord is worthy and necessary. And she said, I'm going to come under God's wings and find refuge. Spiritually, she fled to God for refuge and protection and provision, leaving family, homes, and God's and sought her shelter under the true God. He's saying, Ruth, you are like a little eaglet running for shelter under a big eagle's protective wings. You know, it says, may the Lord repay you and give you a rich reward. So did Ruth earn God's grace? Do we earn God's grace? And so he goes, may you get repaid for all the good you did. And may your blessing and favor of God 
I, I think not like an employee gets wages. If God said to you on the last day, why should I bless you and reward you? What would you say? I hope our answer would be something with the phrase that would use some of this language because I sought refuge. I sought refuge under your wings through Jesus Christ. And not in my baptism and not in my family and not in my church attendance, not in my good works or my giving, but I sought refuge under your protective, shielding, saving arms. As one commentator writes, as young, weak, and helpless chicks find the protection from predators and the elements under the wings of a mother bird, so Ruth, against whom life had thrown some of its worst, it had to offer, had by faith become a recipient of God's metaphors of security. And the idea, of course, is that God is faithful and he is trustworthy. And I think what Boaz is saying when he says, may God repay you and may a full, rich reward be given to you. He's saying, God doesn't renege on his promises. The implied promises, if you come to God, in, and we say in Jesus Christ, you come to him for salvation. You come under his wings for salvation, protection against your sin and against evil, and you become into his family, and he never, ever will fail you or forsake you, but he will keep all his promises and he will perform what he says he will do for you. And so Boaz is saying in verse 12, may Yahweh show how much he keeps his promises to those who run under him for refuge. Please note, God does not help. I, I, I like this. God does not help those who help themselves. Rather, he helps those who cannot help themselves know it and rely on him and run under him for refuge. I wonder what God has done in you. You say, I, he's got to do a lot more. I have a lot way to go, yes. But has God so worked in your heart so that you've seen that God is a God who is the only refuge? And why would you go to another and you run under him in Jesus Christ? Jesus is the one who opened himself up to us through the gospel the good news, and he offers refuge from Satan and from sin and from shame, and, and he became the sin-bearing sacrifice who has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. And if you accept and you throw your lot in with him, he will forgive you and he brings you under his wings, and no one gets to you through him. He said to Jerusalem as he was going to the cross, probably with great tears, as he saw the people of Israel in Jerusalem continually rejecting the Messiah and all that God was showing them. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones them who send them. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you would not. Sadly, there are so many people, and it could be you, that over and over again, God invites you under the wings of his protective love in Jesus, and you don't. You just go your own way. You turn away from him. Don't do that this morning. I could point you to psalm after psalm in which God connects refuge and wings. I came under the ref your wings for refuge. 
God loves, must love that kind of language and so should we. The vital work in Ruth by God was this faith in God and it resulted in, do you see her humility? She doesn't go, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do because you're rich, you're entitled, I'm poor and a woman and I, shouldn't get, I should get some help here. She's like, why are you treating me? I'm not even one of your servants and I'm not one of your workers. Why would you treat me? I'm a foreigner, I don't deserve any of this. Her heart is humble and broken, not entitled, but under the refuge of God. Diligently working, trusting in this God. Behold what God did in Ruth. Oh, may he do that in us more. May he do that in you, maybe for the first time, young people. Or senior close to going home to be with the Lord, run to him for refuge. Lastly, I want you to see, I want to say it this way, behold what the Lord did through Ruth. When Naomi responds to the blessing of his circumstances, she does say, may God bless this man named Boaz. May God, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken us living and my husband Elimelech, the dead, because he's, there's hope here. Our line is going to continue here. This man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. And we could ask, and I said this already, whose kindness? I think the kindness is the Lord's kindness through Boaz's kindness. Yes, it's both. I wonder how many of you have experienced the kindness of God. Where you go, God is just so kind to me. I didn't deserve it, and he's done this for me. He has just, he has taken off a burden, and he has provided me with my needs, and he has protected me when I could have just be destroyed. He has done all of this kind work. I wonder how many of you experienced the kindness, and I wonder how many of you would say, and I saw the kindness for the first time and it was really believable to me when I saw it in somebody else. Maybe it's the kindness in a, a church member, a neighbor who is a Christian, somebody that invited you to church. Maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, maybe it's your mom or your dad or a brother. The kindness of a person. God works through People. He worked through Boaz to show the kindness of God to both Naomi and to Ruth. God's kindness is to Naomi, and it's going through Boaz and Ruth. And we get introduced to a man or a concept called a redeemer, of which we will look at next week. It says he's a close relative, one of our redeemers. And we're going to start to see God's unfolding plan as we go into the last two chapters. Ruth is a foreigner. She's a Moabite woman. She's not born to the people of God. And she's going to be used in a glorious way. It is, it is amazing. God uses ordinary, weak, insignificant to the world people. Little people. Poor people. Unimpress, unimpressive people. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to ruin the story for you if you don't know it. Boaz and Ruth get married. And it gets better. 
They have a son. And it's not just awesome because they have a son. Because Naomi, who's longing for an inheritance to continue on the name, comes to realize Ruth is greater than seven sons. But they have a son, and this son's name is Obed. You go, who's Obed? Well, Obed had a, another, he had a son when he got older. His name was Jesse. Well, what's the big deal about Jesse? Well, Jesse had a lot of sons, and the youngest of his sons was David, a man after God's own heart, whom God promises to become king. He becomes king, and he promises that he'll extend his kingdom forever. He promises that someday a son will come who will be the man who will save his people from their sins. Behold what God is doing through Ruth. Just ordinary foreign widow Ruth, maybe barren by this time because she, couldn't, she didn't have children, at least in her early part of marriage, she was a widow. Behold the love and the grace of God through this woman, through this woman, God is always for us if we're in Christ. Judge not the Lord, as the hymn goes, by your feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. That we might not see that smiling face come to fruition or to its fullness until heaven. Some are pilgrims through this life, and until their dying day, it's always pain. God promises, though, that the best is yet to come, and every tear will not be wasted. Not one tear will be wasted, but God will work all of that, and, and it is producing a greater weight of glory beyond all comprehension. These chapters that begin with dark Storm clouds for this family, for Naomi and Ruth. These clouds are big with mercy and are beginning to break with blessings on their head. Faith Church and visitor who may not be part of Faith Church or is not yet a Christian, he gives us his son. That's what he's done for us. He gives us his people. He gives us his promises, and he is a faithful promise keeper. He gives you never-ending love. So may we once again renew what our salvation means. Oh God, I come under you today, this Christmas season. I come under and I flee to you under your wings for refuge. Your son, Jesus, is my Savior. He has taken away all my sins. I do not have to earn or impress you for you to love me. Your son has done that for me. And I come unto you and find grace. Let's pray. Oh, God. Oh, may we abide in you. May we cling to you. May we sing to you with humble hearts and happy
hearts. God, I pray that if there's someone here that has not run to you for refuge this morning, they would. They would come under your wings and and you would cover them. God, I pray that we who have come under your wings but have forgotten so and have been plagued with anger, anxiety, um, rebellion, faithlessness, we would come to our senses and be moved and melted by your covenantal love that bids us to come under you today and find grace. Oh God, we come and we finish this service. I pray, obeying, singing, and going in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.